In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who is stirring up our hearts so that we can chase after His promise in our everyday lives. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you may or may not know this, um, but uh, I have kind of an interesting uh, like Venn diagram for my vocational life, um, especially in terms of the IRS. Um, so, so the IRS sees me as a self-employed individual. And um, that's good for University Lutheran because that means that you don't have to pay some of my self-employment tax. Um, I, I pay all of my self-employment tax um, out of the check that I get from University Lutheran. And so you do still kind of pay for my self-employment tax. But you don't outrightly. And that's kind of this weird bivocational thing that I'm in, is that um, the reason for that goes back to a deeper issue of just how I get taxed. And that deeper issue is that because I am self-employed in the eyes of the IRS, it just reinforces that in the eyes of the church that you are not really my boss. I know, frightening for some of you people. You're like, I really wanted to tell him what to do, and I'm not sure I can do that now. And it also, by the way, doesn't mean that I'm your boss. It it doesn't turn around like that. It just means that I'm here sort of on my own volition, that that I'm here because I'm self-employed, because uh, we we have this sort of contract thing going on, and and I've decided that, hey, I I would like to be here. Uh, That's why you actually can't fire me. I know, also a little shocking and like, oh, well, you know, I kind of wanted to. <laughs> but, but in the eyes of the church, you can't fire me because I am called to this church. And, and that calling comes from the congregation, but that calling is not a, a hire and fire kind of situation. Instead, it is a thing where automatically when I get here, and this is great to tell people at FSU, automatically when I got here way back, In 2007, I received automatic tenure. (laughs) It is great. And the reason for that is so that I can speak prophetically. So, So that I can say, hey, this is what God wants to tell you. And I don't have to worry about that being unpopular. And if that's unpopular, then you'll fire me and you'll just get somebody who tells you stuff that you want to hear. And so it gives me a level of freedom kind of to know who my boss is, kind of to know who I work for. And I work for myself, but I basically work for God. And it's hard to put work for God on your IRS form. So (laughs) self-employed is about the closest as you get, which actually probably isn't that far off. Because for a lot of us, we're self-employed. No matter who it is that sends you your paycheck, you're self-employed. And sometimes you may be employed uh, by your God. The only big difference is that maybe that's not your God. Maybe this is your God. Maybe your God is 
you. And I think one of the ways that we find that out is we find that out when we start to ask ourselves why we're working and what the purpose is for our work and what it is that we really want out of our work. And if that question comes back to you too many of the times, you might be in some dangerous territory of breaking the first commandment, of having a God who is before God. Because our work is important to us, no matter who we are. No matter if we are a nine-to-five wage laborer, or if we are somebody who is retired, you still have vocation, or if you're somebody who is a stay-at-home mom, or if you're a student, or if you are whoever you are, you have work. You have stuff that you do. Now, some of the differences there might be how much of the stuff you get to choose what you do, but you still have stuff to do. And that gets into this concept of vocation. And the important thing about vocation is always who you're serving. And why you're serving. And so if you start to answer the question of why do you do the work that you do with, well, I do it because I get this really fat paycheck at the end of the month then maybe you have to question why that is. And some of you are like, well, I don't have to worry about that one because fat paychecks, I don't know what those are. (laughs) But there can be other things where we get in the way of our own work. We can get in the way of our own work by saying, well, I am doing this for the fame or the notoriety that it's going to bring me. I'm doing this for the power that this is going to bring me over other people. I'm doing this for all sorts of different reasons. But I think we're fairly good at figuring out, if we really think about it, when those reasons come back to us. Because I think there's something inherent about us that we go, that shouldn't come back to me. Sure, when it does, it feels good, and I can kind of go down that road, but it, it, there's, there's something that feels off about it. And that's what's going on in this Jeremiah reading. There, there's a really kind of short line at the end of the Jeremiah reading. It just ends with this line, but it's this line that is so interesting. It's this line that it, God says, your name will be. And he says, your name will be. The Lord is our righteousness. And we go, that's a pretty name. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have a baby pretty soon here. Maybe we'll name our baby the Lord as our righteousness. We do tend to have some off-the-wall names, after all. This is kind of playing with a historical reality, by the way. There is a king who is named Zedekiah, and Zedekiah, the, the translation of that means the Lord is our righteousness. But he's a bad king. He's a terrible king. And the reason that he's a terrible king is that the Lord is not his righteousness. It's ironic. 
Because this guy, he's a traitor, he's a puppet for another government, he is all sorts of nasty stuff. And the reason that he is that way is because he is trying to serve himself. He is trying to be righteous himself. And that is exactly the opposite of what his name means. Because isn't it a struggle for us to live our lives saying, the Lord is my righteousness. Because here's what I want to say. I want to say, I am my righteousness. I want to say, I am the person who is worthy of praise and honor. I am the person who makes my life worthwhile and meaningful. I am the person who brings identity to myself. I am the person who brings my own security along with me and I don't have to rely on anybody else. I am the person who is God here. And Advent is a season of cutting through that. Yes, Advent is pre-Christmas. Advent is when we get out the Advent calendar and we open it up and we get chocolate every day. And so it's a great time. But Advent is also a penitential season. Advent is also a season in which we hear some very stark language from Jesus. During that time, there will be people that cry out because the earth is going bonkers, because the waves of the sea are so high. People will wonder what's happening And in those times, you know, just like as a tree begins to bud, that the time for summer is arriving. You know that the time for Jesus coming back is arriving. And it's this frightening thing of, wait, is Jesus coming back now? Because I still have stuff to do. (laughs) And then you go, wait, why is my stuff to do more important than Jesus coming back? Advent is meant to cut through that. To cut through our self-righteousness. To expose our shame. Isn't it interesting if you read along with the psalm that there's stuff in there about shame? It seems like that's what's motivating David to write his psalm. That he doesn't want to be shamed. He says, oh, Lord, keep me from shame. And there's basically two kinds of shame that he wants to be kept away from. He, first of all, wants to be kept away from making bad decisions. He's like, Lord, I don't want the shame of making a bad decision. I don't want the shame of planning this wrong. I don't want the shame of this being the wrong thing. I don't want the shame of choosing the wrong major. I don't want to make the shame of choosing the wrong spouse. I don't want to have the shame of choosing the wrong anything. Keep me from that shame, oh, Lord. And then on the other side, he says, by the way, I've already done all of that. So keep me away from the shame of my past. 
and all of those things deal with this sense of righteousness that we want for ourselves. In fact, in terms of Lutheran theology, in terms of Reformation theology, all of that stuff is called justification. Because that's what we try to do. Because we try to justify ourselves by our work. We try to justify ourselves by our vocations. We try to justify ourselves and say, I will not have any shame because I will make the right decisions. And I will erase my past somehow with all of these good things that I do. And God goes, not so fast. It's Advent. And he exposes that. And he exposes it for a good reason. Because he says, instead of your self-justification, let me offer you something. Let me offer you something that is different. Let me offer you something that is a promise. Let me offer you something that says that you don't have to justify yourself because I've already done it for you. That no matter who you are, if you're a student or if you're an employee or an employer or you're self-employed or whatever it is, that God has already taken that stuff that you try to justify yourself with, whether that be grades or money or the stuff that you can get or the people that you can influence, God has already said, none of that stuff justifies you. This is what justifies you. My son's blood justifies you. My son's body justifies you. So that you can walk out of this room having taken his justification on your tongue and in your body. And you can go to work not for yourself but all the while doing a good job and saying It's because of him. It's because of him that I work. Because I know that I'm already justified. So I'm set free. I don't have all of the anxiety about work that other people do. I can just focus on work. I can just focus on doing what I'm supposed to do. Because I know that even if I fail at this, he still loves me. I know that even if I fail at this, and the entire world feels that I am a failure, I know that in the eyes of God... I'm just his baptized little child. That is Advent, folks. It's hearing that promise of justification call to us. To change our lives in a very real way. Because that's what's going to happen in Christmas. That we're celebrating in Christmas what he's done for us. We're celebrating his vocation. We're celebrating him being righteous for us. We're celebrating that he is our righteousness. We don't have to be. Amen.